Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today, we welcome back John Ladley. John is an experienced practitioner who helps organizations define and transition to new business and data capabilities. His books are considered the primary source for organizations to enable alignment of business and data strategy, organizational change, and practical application of data technology to business problems. John, it's awesome to have you back again. What's new? It is. I, I'm glad to be back. Uh, thank you for, for having me back. Um, what is new? <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, second edition, Data Governance Book. Don't forget that's out. Yeah. Yes, this is the shameless commerce part of the show. For Absolutely. Me. Uh, well, and, and I mean, your your data governance book, just to be fair, is one of the best selling data governance related books out there and has earned its title of being the data governance book. I know it's actually if, 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 if I run the math right and you include the download, it is now the best selling data book ever. Nice. Okay, my last royalty check was eye watering. Um, it was. Uh, let's just say there was much joy here in the. In the in the <laughs> oh, <house>. wonderful! <laughs> I, I yes. need to learn what that feels like. The data leadership yes. book is available now at Amazon. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like we're going to McDonald's tonight, kids. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, reminder though, it is a second edition. However. It's a 90% revision from the first edition. Mm. Why? 10 years went by in the blink, right? Almost in the blink of an eye, eight to 10 years went by. Um, we learned a lot, all right? Yeah. Um, there's been a few things floating around the interwebs about, oh, you know, John has changed his tune because obviously he was wrong. No, we were all wrong about some things uh, a, a while back. And some of us are still wrong. And some of us are trying things that might be right and might be wrong, and we don't know yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, our topic today is going to be like that. Okay, one other new thing. Yeah. I just did my first – I've done this before for organizations at lower levels to, like, do the business case for data management or data governance. Mm. But in the spirit of uh, of uh, our friend Doug Laney, mm -hmm. his book Infonomics, and Doug and I used to work together on that topic a long time ago. Uh, Doug's gone much farther than me with it, but I got the chance to do an honest-to-gosh data valuation exercise for a large organization. As in, if we're going to put this on the balance sheet, what would the number be? All right. And it went all the way to the top, and it was a terrifically eye-opening engagement. And we, we took a lot of what we thought would work, and it did work. How about that? And then there's a few things we went and went, we got to go back to the drawing board and, and work on that one a little bit more. So we're all still learning here. Mm. And, um, and, and I mean, that's uh, you talk about natural segue to what we're talking about today, right? <laughs> He he wasn't in radio in an earlier life for nothing, folks. This guy, he no, knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, the, uh, radio and being a minister, um, a, a preacher, you have to have this ability. Actually, they teach you. If, I don't know if you know this. You go to preacher school. They call it seminary, right? You go ah, to preacher, yeah, school. preacher school. When they teach you to do sermons, they teach you to do segues. It's really cool. Oh. I had a roommate years ago. uh uh, 
one of my marriages. We won't go into that. Um, and uh, um, and he was my best buddy in college and my roommate, and and we remain absolute best friends to this day. And we were kicking around some stories about school, and in one of the stories, uh, uh, the word uh, footlocker came up. I won't give you the background. We don't have time for that. But the term footlocker came up. We had a good joke about our inside story around this word footlocker. Mm. Um, and if you don't know what those are, that just means you're too young. And when we all went to college back in my day, mom and dad put this big trunk in yeah. in the car and it had that was where all your clothes and stuff were because yeah. you didn't have back in the day right when you didn't have luxurious rooms and a bistro to go eat three times a day okay. anyway um so we're talking about it and someone said that's really funny that's really funny and and i don't know how it got to this but the next day was the ceremony and i somehow a bet was made for fifty dollars that he could not work footlocker into his uh, homily while he was doing our marriage ceremony and it was 50 bucks for every mention and people put money on the table there at the rehearsal dinner and he hit it four times Wow! and it was seamless it was it was a work of art and 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 then he just after that he just he puts his hand out right after this two two hundred zords right there kids you know (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, uh, a little story to get us started here. Um, <clears throat> so, so, so we're, ahead, we're, we are on uh, the show today to to talk data literacy. So this is the, the topic that we want to um, be addressing today because it's it, this is a word. This is this is kind of coming yeah. up everywhere you go. Yeah. And I think it's time to start really addressing it, level setting, acknowledging that data literacy is a thing and it's we thing, should be talking about it now, yeah. but it, there's this, this question. So we want to start with the basics, right? Like let's talk about data literacy, literacy, what it is, what is it? And, and yeah. two, is this the next big data? Is this the next term that everybody uses and nobody knows like really what they mean by it or where yeah. are we going to go with this? So John, what's your take on data literacy? Well, let's talk about the what and is it and is it and is it the next big thing you know the uh nbt the next big thing um uh uh so definition wise i need to frame this a little bit because it was our industry now we've been banging away for 30 40 years the data folks we've been banging away and in that time many many other next big things have popped up oh like the interweb okay and um, and all of those related technologies and portals and Amazons and e-commerce and blah, blah, blah. and there's been lots of money made, mm-hmm. lots of next big things, <clears throat> lots of friends in college where you said that dude won't amount to anything is now sitting in Silicon Valley in a $45 million home or something like that. So um, all these next big things. And so our industry, because it hasn't had this meteoric rise for a lot of reasons, that's another podcast, by the way. Mm. Um, we're always looking for the next big thing. A couple of years ago, one of the data science vendors said something along the lines of, we can do all this stuff. We can produce. And it was a, at that time, it was a profound comment that we could we could produce all the perfect data models in the world. Uh, all the perfect conclusions from analysis or reporting. And I often said this myself in my practice, but do organizations know how to use it? All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anthony, you've heard this because when we've worked together and spoke together, 
we've, we've done this metaphor that we hire this really good data analyst named Harry Potter, all right? Mm -hmm. And Harry goes, twink. And all of a sudden the data is perfect. I mean, you can lean your head against the monitor and I can see the special effects, but it'd be really cool. Mm, but yeah. then, you know, all this stuff, so this mysterious vapor goes into your brain and you know everything it is about your industry, everything about your business. And you can see dimly into the future where permutations might occur. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like a scene from Dune, if, you've, if you're a fan of that book, right? You know, we too much spice and away you go. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I've asked that question to dozens of executives and leaders, and they don't know how to answer it. They go, oh, I never thought about that. I just want to report. I want to know, really know what happened yesterday. Right. So someone coined this thing, well, we're illiterate. Mm. Like we don't know how to read. Like, and and it's, a, it's a profound metaphor. It's really good. Well, it got next big thing status really fast. Mm. And now every data science vendor and big data vendors talking about how they support literacy and all the definitions focused really, really quickly around a literal interpretation of literacy, which is the ability to read and use the output from data. All right. So that's that's the initial definition. But we have a problem there. You know this and I know this, that of all the effort we put into data things and trying to get that holy grail of value from data out, only about 20% is the using part. Right. The other 80% is is the lifting the data, mm -hmm. the movement, the positioning, the data quality. Oh, crap, oh. we ran a model and it's biased, right? Mm -hmm. We ran a model and it's wrong. It told the ship to go left and the ship should have gone right. So our model ran us aground. Okay, I mean, this stuff is 80%, 70% data science stuff fails, okay? Mm -hmm. um, now, data science, it should fail because it's science. They're, you're doing hypotheses, but organizations don't appreciate that, all right? Because they're not all scientific. So we're, we have a huge failure rate. We have a huge letdown rate. We have a lot of canceled projects and turnover tax staff and you know chief analytics officers last about 18 months two years and then they're off doing something else so yeah. we're missing some things that 80 percent so i expand the definition of data literacy into not only the using of the data but the ability to work with it and manage the data now that's not the dictionary version of literacy mm -hmm. but it is it does accommodate the 80 percent now for the sake of our talk here today, we'll say that literacy basically is the whole data supply chain, and that is understanding and managing from when it starts to when you use it. Mm -hmm. Other people might call that a competency, okay? But for the sake of our discussion, when I talk about data literacy, because I see 80% of the problems uh, aren't being addressed with that word, and only 20%, and it's been this way since we got our first... Uh, <clears throat> since tools like business objects came out with their little cube spinning and you could drag and drop and do a query, remember, and everyone went, whoa, look at that. I can get these reports just, but no one ever said, but you got to have data and it's going to take us 10 years to get the data right so you can do your five-minute report. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I kind of expand it. Okay, so yeah. literacy to me is um, everyone in an organization instinctively <clears throat> knows how to use data to do their job and 
understands the ramifications of managing the data to get it to that point. That's my that's my uh, definition uh, of it. It is not quite industry standard. I will be the first to admit that, but it does get your organization talking about the right things. Well, it's a casting of the term in a useful way because I, the, the, as you were talking, I'm like, do we even need this term, data literacy? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's we we got by fine without it until the last couple of years where we all started talking about it. it's and it's a recasting of a collection of things that we've been talking about for a long time. But I like yeah. your your definition yeah. of it. To me, at least, it puts into a box something that is worth talking about broadly within an organization. And that's the thing. Not everybody's going to be super data governance nerds and, and data management nerds and, and go deep professionally in those functional areas. But what we're saying is that, hey, everybody in the organization needs to have some minimally viable competency with data literacy. And we want to talk about what that looks like across the entirety of the organization. Right. And that is something that Packaging it that way, yeah, that makes some sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, me too. I'm, I'm all for. You know, I mean, we have, we, it, it's kind of a, a, a catch twenty two. Well, we can't get, we can't make progress. You know, data management has failed. You know, Tom Redmond and I were on with you talking about that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, data management has failed. Well, why is it failed? Well, they don't understand. Well, let's get them to understand. Well, we can't because data management has failed. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, at, at least we have a stake in the ground. Right. Right for people to listen and to perk their ear up. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say over time, the way things go, uh, the data science companies will find out they can't make a billion dollars off of a couple of words and, mm-hmm. and it'll find a, a spot. I think maybe data competency might rise up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might come up with a whole other, I don't know, something else. But for the time being, this this concept is really working for communicating with organizations. It is, it, it, you're absolutely spot on. We can argue over the semantics all we want, mm-hmm. but it's getting the job done. It's getting the job done right now. Yeah, you know, and, and I think of it because I, you know, data leadership is obviously the thing that I've kind of put my flag into the ground on. And and mm-hmm. to me, I see data literacy as a necessary but insufficient piece of what data leadership has been talking about since we started talking about data leadership. And that's, yep. you know, it's all about the action. It's all about the resulting business impacts. And data literacy is an important predecessor step to that. But it's, you know, it's just a predecessor step. If you're data literate as heck. And you don't do anything with that knowledge, then how much are you really going to accomplish? Like, yes, you can read some reports, but what does that mean in terms of what you need to do? And I think like data literacy yeah. can can accommodate that as well. I think that makes sense. That's probably part of what we are envisioning with data literacy, but I'd rather focus on the the action and the outcomes from it. But as its own domain, data literacy is, is certainly something worth talking about as well. Well, yeah, I, I, absolutely. We've, we've, we are now, we now understand uh, because of exploring this word or phrase or concept that there's a, there's a progression of competency or expertise. Um, uh, I call it a learning model. I speak a lot about learning models now mm-hmm. in, my, in my work that organizations, and, and they go along with literacy models, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the one that... Uh, a friend of mine is a really good carpenter, and he says, I started out as unconsciously incompetent. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to conscious incompetence. Then I moved 
to conscious competence, but I didn't become a guy that could charge $10,000 for a stairway until I became unconsciously competent. Mm. Okay, so it just becomes part of your existence. And that means there's a certain learning curve and there's a progression. And that's kind of like a like literacy is like learning to read. You know, we learn to read by learning the alphabet first. Right. We don't know. We don't start on it. I mean, you're three years old. Someone hands you war and peace and says, have at it, junior, you know, and don't come out of your room till you're done. And I want a full report. <laughs> that's what we do with data, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that what we do? Yeah. Hey, boss, we got this great thing. Just give me 10 million bucks. We're going to hire a bunch of data scientists. We're going to all go off in a room and do something and you won't hear a word from us. And we're going to come out and say, here's war and peace. Give it a read. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, no. So there is. You're right. There is a sequence of things and data literate. Roughly what it means. Right. Is is a step before you do a lot of other things. It's not the end game. Right. All right. It just helps you. You get there. That that kind of gets going to the – and we're talking about the what, and we probably will talk about the why, but that's kind of getting to the why. That becomes – that why that is so important. So let me ask, before we get into the why, because obviously okay. I think the why and the how are, are what this – you know, what we should spend some time talking about. But when I think about it, like in our personal lives, everybody, we're, we're all attached to our phones, sometimes multiple phones and devices, and we're constantly yeah. surrounded by data everywhere. Right. And using it constantly. How yeah. is how is that rampant data use that we are all doing all the time? How does that compare to what we're talking about with data literacy? Because it's clearly data use is not the same thing as data literate. How do we yeah. bridge that gap? Well, um, actually, there's some work being done to bridge that gap. Uh, I, you know, Peter Aiken, Dr. Dr. Aiken yes. from uh, VCU, Virginia Christian University, I believe. Um he just recently started presenting a really thorough, thorough bunch of research on this. And, you know, uh, and it goes back to a conversation him and I had uh, a while back uh, on this. And really what it's about is that, yes, everyone's using data. And the reason this is becoming obvious to us is, yeah, that your kids are are giving Facebook all of their raw material and Google all of their raw material, and we're doing it too. Um, and we have now this world of what we call surveillance capitalism, but it's a way to make gobs and gobs of money off of our data. Now we're beginning to think it's my data and it's my right to keep it private. I'll let, you know, a, mm -hmm. a la Tim Cook from Apple. And, um, uh, and no, you can't do that. Um, and so now we, but but this is happening in a grassroots individual person. Forget your corporate data warehouse and your enterprise big data stuff. This is happening grassroots. So Peter's work is saying there's kind of a Maslow's hierarchy here of of um, of literacy for not only individuals but society, mm -hmm. and we are now becoming. We are certainly data aware, mm -hmm. okay? We are certainly data savvy, but what's required to become data literate and be one of those people at the top that can teach other people about data, about it's your data, don't give it to Facebook, sell it to Facebook, mm -hmm. okay? Who can teach corporations to say, 
yes, you want all these wonderful benefits from the data, but you don't want to spend the money to get there. I mean, how many years did it take you to design your perfect factory and have your most efficient factory that balance between technology and labor? It took 50, 60 years to figure that out. Mm -hmm. You want us to do roughly the same thing with data in six months. And if it doesn't work, you fire everybody and start it again in a few months. Okay, there. I mean, what we have is at, we're at a point where there's going to be segments of society that can explain that to other people and then convince organizations because you have individual literacy, data literacy, and you have organizational or or institutional literacy as well. And people who move institutions to literate are kind of at the top of that pyramid that uh, Peter talks about. That's really interesting. And and Peter, yeah. if you hear this before I find you, I need you on this podcast. I haven't gotten you on it yet. <laughs> we're 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 gonna get you onto this podcast one way or another because I'd, I'd I'd love yeah. to dive deeper into that um, particular yeah. topic. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to steal his thunder or anything like that. Uh, um, uh, and, and you know, he's done some what I call I think seminal work on it. Is putting together a book on it hmm. right now. Um, but he has addressed that situation. That you, the question you had, he has addressed absolutely head on. And the answer is, as you said, it is the fact that now how I phrase it is this is an anthropo one of the one of the whys. Okay, this is an anthropological issue. Now, and I said this on a phone call. I think you were on a call with Tony. Oh yeah, a few months yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the first time I made it public because I've been working on this and I learned now in my old age, because I'm old and bitter and jaded and everything that, you know, you don't release a concept in this industry till you've got it evolved and thought of. And by the way, you got your guardrails to protect your intellectual property around it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, um, so I had was spending time doing that, but then I finally mentioned it and I said, this isn't we're guys, we, we're all sugarcoating this. We're all making it, we're, we're trying not to see what it really is. And that is data is anthropological. Mm -hmm. Anthrop anthropology is a study of how human beings just do their thing. All right. So anthropology, what you think of is like, well, we found a cave and we found a flint ax. So obviously this poor guy was going out there, whacking on a tree with a rock and then scraping animal hides. And, and then we go, that's anthropology. Well, anthropology is also... You know George Jetson and his boy Elroy. I mean, yeah. and that, how they how they live in the 26th century. Um, uh, that is also anthropology, and we are in the middle of an anthropological shift in human behavior because we are shifting from. Oh, I really wish I could could, could drill into that and understand why that happened. I wish I could see some data. To now, we're just we're drinking out of a fire hose of data, and society doesn't know how to do that. So this is one of the reasons literacy besides being, it has to be an enterprise concern, mm -hmm. an so, institutional concern, because it's overwhelming all of your customers and your individuals out there. Yeah. Well, and I think we've, we've started to transition into why. And I think the point around the, like the notion of controlling the data and, and having that mastery of how data can be a strategic driver of your organization. I think that's really clear and really um, you know, powerful. I want to also understand the why from the perspective, say we are a company that is manufacturing, you know, auto parts 
And okay. our auto parts manufacturing operation, we've had this business for 50, 100 years. And, you know, we have our ebbs and flows and, and all of that. Why should we even care about data literacy? Why is data literacy important to a large manufacturing organization that has, to your point, honed its manufacturing process over the last 40 or 50 years? We think we've got everything out of this that we can get. Why bother? Oh, uh, okay. So let's t- tackle it. Uh, let's tackle it across like maybe four or five dimensions. Okay. One, let me touch on anthropology again. One is because data is pervasive. You will now eventually have people on the assembly line, people out there in middle and lower management going, you know, if these clowns knew what they were doing, we'd have a report that told us this every morning because my kid showed me how to do something in this thing called Tableau or something. I mean, we'd have a, we'd have a, I mean, I've been, I go to, I do a lot of work now with smaller organizations. I, and and mostly because I, it's evangelical on my part. Mm. I, they, they don't have the coin to go in and tackle some of this stuff, but they've, their problems are just the same. Right. right? So, so, and and when I, I go into that, I find what I find out is that the workforce is usually more literate and aware than leadership is because mm. leadership in smaller organization tends to be deeply embedded or founded the company in the first place. But they've had this for 20, 30 years. They've been, you know, just running the place. Right. So, yeah. And then, and then they're surrounded by new entries and people coming in saying, well, where's our balance scorecard? I mean, doesn't everybody have a balance scorecard? And no. <laughs> so, um, so what we have is this uh, this anthropological thing where where the way people want to work is changing and they know it mm-hmm. and leadership is clueless mm-hmm. so that's first thing that's the first reason why, why you've got to if you're we're going to use our automobile company sure this is it is it the rank and file is smarter than you mm-hmm. in many instances okay secondly um your competition's going to do it if you're working for cogswell cogs spacely sprockets is is doing it okay mm-hmm. um uh and there are companies now especially we're beginning to see more and more of them that have really held their nose and dove into the deep end of data management and cranking it out i mean you know you take a look at the pharmaceutical industry you take a look at the financial industry and you might not have perfect little governed data things but you've got a room full of data scientists that are kicking tail mm-hmm. okay and they're feeding models to the things, and you're seeing, uh, I mean, you're seeing more and more and more visible results. We're we're seeing more and more execution of things. We talked earlier about how things never seem to work, and that's because we've got all these great ideas and data, but we never talk to each other about how do you execute this stuff. My favorite book that I recommend to people has nothing to do with data. It has called Execution, hmm. How to Execute Difficult Projects. That's my favorite. First thing in my bibliography I give to people when some college student says, John, I want to be just like you. And I'm saying, that's that's a horrible thing. No, John, I want to be a chief. I want to be a chief data officer. And I, what's the first thing I should read? It's the book on execution is yeah. the second book. And the, sec- the first book, second book is You Can Measure Anything. Hmm. None of those have anything to do with data all right and of course the third and fourth are mine anyway um right but so you've got this you've got the competition now is 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 taking a risk so that's number two number three compliance and in many industries compliance is number one Mm -hmm. all right uh gdpr california consumer protection 
yeah, big institutions are beginning to understand that there is a a right to privacy uh, here with your data. Um, uh, uh, it's a wonderful thing for politicians to have because society loves exposing politicians when they do stuff wrong. You know, um, uh, who doesn't like a good sex scandal and a bunch of politicians, right? But now with all this data going around, we could all be victims of some scandal of some sort, whether it's, you know, uh, sex or uh, gambling or a passion for old cars or old airplanes. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, um, but it can, what someone knows about you can be used, uh, not, not always in your favor. So, so we have regulatory things pushing here really hard. That's another reason to be literate. Don't just – here's a – uh, GDPR is a good example. Organizations reacted um, to GDPR like they reacted to any other law. We must be compliant, and they boxed it off. And again, well, then there comes CCPA. Now organizations are beginning to realize, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to be compliant with the the. We'll t- we'll pick the one that's the worst. We'll comply with that, and everything else will 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 follow in its uh footsteps so compliance is the next is the next one um the next one is ethics this is connected with privacy but there are things that are legal Mm -hmm. but as long as there's a lot of money to be made there will be a distinction between things that are legal and things that are right right we, we we know that all right so um and ethics an ethics violation, are you doing something to say, well, it's legal, we were able to collect that data on our car customers and, and uh, or we're putting, we're putting governors in our cars because we don't want anyone to go over 55 miles an hour. Or, you know, we do something silly with our consumer base. Uh, then, um, we, and we don't understand that um, we wreck our reputation. Okay. So doing things right, applying some type of, morality i've read a lot on data ethics but what i don't ever read on data ethics what i don't see explicitly in any material on data ethics is the term morality Hmm. and ethics at its root definition means a means a set of behaviors based on some set of principles Mm -hmm. okay right i never see those principles but ethics and principles around the data are becoming incredibly important um we all know that if we take our, our manufacturing plant, uh, that uh, United States manufacturing up until the late 70s was was designed to sell more things. Mm-hmm. Planned obsolescence was the standard. And then someone had the nerve to say someday in another country, you know what, that's kind of not very ethical. You know, you sell somebody something, they spend a lot of mo- some money on something, and in two and a half years, it falls apart and it's rusting alongside the road. Um, so they decided to take the high road, and that wiped out the auto, almost wiped out the United States automobile industry. Hmm. So ethics is going to come into data the same way it came into manufacturing and 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 everything uh, else like that. So I think those are the big motivators why, if I'm a CEO, and this is the big, this is my big kick here. So mm-hmm. it's, we're three quarters away. So I'll, I'm going to put the big thing out there right now, the big controversy. All right. Right. This is go to commercial. When we come back, we have a controversy. No, um, <laughs> this is the big thing. 
we have been sugarcoating this stuff in data. You and I, mm-hmm. we're, we're both guilty of it. We're going to learn. We've learned. We're learning because yep. we're becoming older and jaded. That's the important uh, part. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we are learning to stop going to the CEO and saying, well, you know, you really don't have to learn a lot about it, but you have to trust us. And we're going to go over here and do this thing. No, no. Sit down. I need to educate you. Mm-hmm. All right. You can't run this company unless you know more about data than you already know. You are data illiterate, okay? And you are going to get run into the ground by your competition or regulators unless you know the right words and can ask the right questions or else the CDO will steamroll you with expensive projects that don't work. Vendors will take advantage of you, promising you piles of software that will solve all your problems and never will, Mm -hmm. all right? And then your middle management will come to you whining and bickering and whining and whining until you cave in and give them what they want, which is another island of automation, which exacerbates the problem even more. Mm-hmm. All right. So you sit down. This is my this is my fantasy. You know, you know, sit down. I've, you know, I throw Mr. Cogswell into the seat and rip his cigar from his mouth. Right? And I, <laughs> sit down and shut up and listen. OK. Because you don't know enough to run this company anymore the way you might have done five years ago or 10 years ago because the world's changed. Anthropology's changed. People have changed. Mm -hmm. And you need to know more than you know. And you know what? You had to do that when automobile industry happened. You had to do that when you learned Six Sigma. You had to learn, you know, and, and we've sugarcoated that. And it was like, oh, no, 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 we we don't want to bother any. We don't want to, you know. Uh, I'm not talking about an implementation philosophy here or a way to, to, to accommodate a culture and work with a culture to get – I'm talking about this big macro thing that the folks at top on top are ignorant of things and the world's changed. No different than they were ignorant of lean or, or process control uh, 40, 50 years ago, and they all had to go to school and learn. I really think we need to think about that, and that is mm-hmm. not – my voc- it's not in our vocabulary right now as data people or even chief data officers or anything to, to go up to the board and say, I need you all to go to a retreat and come out of there for a day and come out of there smarter than when you went in. I, I don't see that hardly anywhere. Well, and in smaller contexts, you see that with the Internet or with mobile. Like there's been a bunch of big things that a lot of organizations wanted to ignore for way longer than they should have. This oh, is yeah. a pattern that repeats itself. This is not... You know, this is not a surprise. And so no. it is, you know, completely like clear that the the organizations that are able to work with data are going to survive. And those that cannot don't, they won't. Like it will be gone. Yeah. Well, we're, we're data is not special. It's not like it's different than anything else that's ever happened. I say this all the time. You've heard me speak about it with governance. Oh, all yeah. right. You've got financial governance. You've got uh, um, uh, IT governance. You've got the the board charter has the word governance in the first paragraph. The CEO has the word governance in the job description. And I challenge you to find me one without the word governance in the job description. And by mm-hmm. the way, I have looked I have looked them up. Okay. All right. The word governance is common, but we've got people in our industry saying, don't say governance now. That that it makes people nervous. That's bad. Okay. <laughs> Don't say, you know, don't, yeah. uh, uh, don't, you know, governance is bad. Controls. Don't say controls. That makes people nervous. We have to take a different. No, if I'm a, if I'm a 
if I'm the chief financial officer and I go, you know, these control things, they make people nervous. I think I'm going to throw out accounting standards, you know, uh, and we're not, those books, they don't have to balance. They, they just have to be close enough, close enough, close enough, you know, double entry bookkeeping, you know, Hey, that's, it's so Egyptian. That is so yesterday. I mean, that is so Neolithic. We're not going to do that. We, we need to enter the Iron Age. Okay? There's, there's an no. app that can do this for us, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Exactly. We're going to buy it. <laughs> We're going to buy it. We're going to outsource balancing our books. Yeah. Um, no, uh, can, it's part and parcel. Here's, and again, we're not talking anything data right now. What, what you mentioned, as you said, this has happened before, has nothing to do with the specifics of data. <laughs> What I'm talking about here has nothing to do with the specifics of data. Complex systems require certain fundamental conceptual things. This is, this is you know, you've heard me say this with governance, and it's in my book. There has to be an oversight function against the execution function mm-hmm. all the time. Right Now, small organization, does that mean you've got to have hire more people? No last thing you want to do is hire someone that knows nothing about your business and then do oversight on it. That's, you know, hiring data stewards, dumb move. Number one for data governance programs is hiring a data steward. That's just idiocy. And I hope I offended somebody by saying that, listening to this, I really do because I can't get them to fricking wake up any other way. Don't I? I mean, they won't. This is the home okay, of yeah. making people angry and, and saying I, bold yes, statements. I mean, yeah. this is what we should be doing. We've got to get something to change. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I look, I've done conferences for many, many organizations, and I did one years ago. Um, and it's not the one you and I do a lot of stuff with. So, so uh, yeah. um, relax, you guys. We know, we know who you <laughs> But. There was another one I did stuff for years ago, and I went out there, and I just called somebody's baby ugly, and it was, oh, you can't do that. You might offend them. How do you make progress, right? And the fact is you need controls. Any complicated system needs controls. How many rows in better be equal how many rows out. If you don't do that, you're in the wrong business, all right? If that bothers you, go do something else, okay? Your right brain is in charge. Your left brain's got to, you know, that's a left brain thing. Okay. If, 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 if having oversight, calling it oversight and said governments is, is frightening, then you don't want to be part of a complex system because you don't want to manage, uh, um, risk, uh, really complex systems. You don't want to manage safety. You know, mm-hmm. the best model for me, people say, John, you know, you do some pretty cool things and you and your work. I, my customers love me. All right. And, and, but other people that hear me go, you're kind of crazy and you're kind of, sometimes you're monolithic and sometimes I'm totally confederated and people don't know where I stand. Well, it's because I go exactly for what the customer, what the customer needs. All right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and when I go somewhere like that and, 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 and we're talking about this and that is you got to go for what works. And then you have to be very honest with them and you have to say, You don't know how to do this. You need to learn how to do this because like any other complicated system, it won't work unless you have oversight, unless you have controls. Um, You don't have to be overbearing with them. You don't have to be rude with them. Uh, Like our friend, Mr. Siner, you have to formalize the informal sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what you want to do, but don't, don't go running from them saying that it's a bad word or anything like that. I mean, these are necessary 
things and it's a, it's we just have to grow into it we have to we have to grow into it so and we only have a few more minutes and and i want to give people a sense of because i think we've properly put the fear into them of of why this is important and what they should uh be concerned about so. but what do they do and say okay we get it we're we're, we're afraid ah, where do we start yeah. with this Yes. Um, the first thing you have to start with is uh, um, speaking the right language. Okay. Um, we just went through a little tirade. I'll call it a tirade um, about that. There's really nothing new under the sun and complicated systems need controls and oversight and, and all that. But you need to know what are those controls and oversights and management things pointed at? They're pointing, they're pointed at, making the organization operate so that it can achieve its goals. Whether you're government, NGO, for-profit, not-for-profit, doesn't matter. You have to operate so you can achieve your goals, fulfill your strategy, fulfill your vision. Forget everything else. You need to be able to speak to that. Too many data people, they'll come up to me and they'll say, I'm – I'm in charge of data governance here at uh, Spacely Sprockets. And I go, well, that's great. And I, and I go, how many uh, on your team? And they go, well, just me. I said, well, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but are you from the business or technology? Well, I, I, I used to, my, my job before this was I, I, I maintained the balance scorecard for the, for, the, for the company. Okay, well, so you know how the company measures itself. Yeah, I said, so... Can you speak to the need of the business to fulfill strategy? Where are the gaps in your data? Where are the gaps in the KPIs on the scorecard right. that are keeping you from doing? Can you, oh no, they, I just I just write the report they tell me to write. Okay, that's a problem. Quit talking technology. Mm-hmm. You need to be literate. So you know who the, the number one source of data illiteracy is not business people. Because I can talk to a CEO who's pretty forward thinking and they say, I know I got to do better with data. I know that. Come on in. Let's have a conversation. That's happened to me. The number one source are DevOps and CIOs. Mm. They are the most illiterate, data illiterate people I run into because their vision is get that code in, slaps a bunch of crap up against the wall, see if it sticks, and then move on. Mm -hmm. And data, I don't care what they say about DevOps. DevOps is just another way. Like poor Ken Orr, may the late Ken Orr, may he rest in peace. When we got into object oriented, he just leaned back and he went, Oh, great. We have another way to develop crap code quicker than we ever have before. <laughs> uh, and and every generation after object, and we got into this, and then uh, XML, and blah, 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 and then SOA, and then microservice, and all this, and Ken until he passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He just said, Here we go again. We never go back to the data. We never go back to the raw material we're working with. We just we ignore the raw material and we just keep shining up the box that it's sitting in. And we never do anything with it. So that's the thing I would, number one, become, as a data person, become more literate about your business. Mm-hmm. Number two, become a bit, uh, don't become a butthead, but become um a provocateur. That's Tom Redman's word. Yeah. All right. Now that doesn't mean you sneak around in the middle of the night and blow up desks. That's not what a provocateur. Definitely is. not. That is. That, that's, a, that, that, that's a resistance fighter. Okay. <laughs> no, no. What it means is you sit there and you just ask 
good questions. You yeah. just say, okay, and you know, the meetings, everyone says, yay, we're going to go this way. And everyone says, and forward into the future, cogs, wall, cogs. And you go, wait a minute, hold it. I got some notes here from a meeting four years ago. Mm-hmm. And we said the same thing. And that sucker is still a smoking crater. Yeah. So what are we doing different to make sure this moment? That's all you've got to do. Uh, be a little bit more assertive and speak more of the business language. And we're getting near time. But I say that's the top two things you got to do. Yeah. Right there. Well, and, and I'm thinking like just in, in to make it as actionable as possible for folks. Like I think back to your analogy that you mentioned early in the show is, is like giving that that three year old that's just learning to read War and Peace and say, go figure it out and then come out of your room and you're done. It's the same thing with technology, folks. They're swimming in data everywhere they look, and they have no idea what it means, no idea how to read it. And that, you know, anytime you find that in an organization, it's like the key thing that this person is surrounded by, and they have no idea how that actually Mm -hmm. works and what it is, probably a good place to start thinking about more carefully and do something about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave you with a thought experiment. Okay. We read this all the time. There's there's a gazillion – a gazillion zonka bytes of data produced every day in the world. All right. And, 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 but we only use 5% of it. And everyone goes, Oh yeah, we only just kind of find that 5% and got to here's, I'm going to flip that around on you and I'm going to throw it back in y'all face. The reason we only use the 5% is because you can't get your head around the 90 other 95%. Mm-hmm. And if you knew how to deal with it and you knew how to handle it, you were literate enough to understand it, maybe you could use more than that 5%. So I don't think it's a reality that we only will use this and the rest is superfluous. I think the amount we can use is probably an order of magnitude more. I mean, there's a lot of superfluous out there. Let's who wants yeah. to, I don't care what the ISP address was on something or what server it came from for most things, right? But I'd say 5%, yeah, it's not enough. 50%, now we're talking. And that gap in between it, it's there's no universal law that we're only going to use 5 or 20%. It's just we can't get our heads around it yet. That's all. Yeah. Well, John, that the wise words, great advice. I, it's so much fun talking to you. I love when you're we, on the show. We should do this more. We, well, <laughs> we, we, you know, uh, at the risk of sounding uh, – um, self-promotional which i'm not because i i am semi-retired here and heading into retirement as you well know um uh uh let's do this again in in four or six months i mean you know i'm i've uh, uh i'm always got my ear to the ground right now listening to what's working and what's not working and i've reached the point where you know i'll um uh, with the well with the client the other day uh client has spent all this money and we got a great value on their data Okay. And it was like, this company is now a data company. It yeah. used to not, it used to just do whatever it did. Now it does what it did and it's a data company. And we're talking like one, two, three billion dollars of potential valuation. Uh, uh, um, we're talking 20 bucks a share on our stock is what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. That's not trivial. Right. Yeah. I said, but on the other side of the coin, you have spent this much money on your data stuff. I'll, I'm going to use a round number. Okay, let's just say we spent uh, uh, $10 million to get things built, and we're spending $5 million 
to manage it and, and maintain it. And by the way, a big organization with a real juicy Amazon web service contract, it's going to drop a hundred to 150,000 bucks, maybe a month mm-hmm. on charges. Okay. Um, uh, you know, you're an AWS guy, so you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pay by the drink, right? It's pay Absolutely. by the drink. Yep. Yeah. So you can spend some coins. I said, so I added all this, the coin up. I said, now here's five years mm-hmm. in five years, 10 plus uh, five. That's four times 20 plus 25 plus that's $35 million you're going to spend in the next five years. Now, put your CEO face on. Hey, boss, look what we did with this model. We, you know, we, 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 you know, people prefer this color product to that color product. Isn't that really they? And the boss says, that wasn't worth $35 million, dude. <laughs> That's so on right. the other side of the coin, literacy means I got to do something here. Yeah, I got to at least make thirty-six million dollars. That's right. In the next, in the next five years, or else we're gonna. And you know what? You should go home. That's see. That's the bold part. That's where I go. Guy, I, I, I forget me picking on the putting Mister Sprockets in the seat and tearing a cigar out. Let me get the chief data officer, and I said, spend all this money. I want to see twenty percent more on the balance sheet or the income statement, then you spend on this environment after five years. And if I don't see it, bye-bye. That's right. We're going to see you, right? Yeah. That is absolutely right. Well, John, thank Let's you so much. Let's talk about that in four months. We'll and next time, we will, go, yeah. we will go deeper into that. Um, yeah, right. but uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. So thank you uh, for being on the show. And yep. thank you all for watching or listening today. You'll find links and more information about today's topic in the show notes. Follow Data Leadership Lessons on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Check out my book at dataleadershipbook.com and use promo code ALGMANDL at the Dataversity Training Center for 20% off your first purchase. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 